the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. Well, the deplatforming of Alex Jones continues. Now, besides his own website, Twitter was the only other option for Jones to distribute his content. Even though Facebook, YouTube, Apple, Pinterest, Spotify, Stitcher had all near simultaneously kicked him out, Twitter allowed both his InfoWars accounts and his award to stay active. But then Wednesday, boom, boom. Boom, 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 boom. Here comes Twitter. Twitter is the last platform, and Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey is the only advocate you have. I'm just going out on a limb here and say you should probably treat him nicely and with some respect. I'm just saying he's your only friend. So what did Alex Jones do? You know, Alex uh, and his uh, and his bullhorn. Well, he tracked down the Twitter CEO and screamed at him. You know, I mean, that's what every rational person would do. Jack, I appreciate you supporting the First Amendment, but I have a right to face my accusers, Jack, and I never, I never threaten the media with battle rifles. Jack, can I have your autograph, sir? So, hey, Jack. CNN, Times, CNN. You unverified me and call me a white supremacist. I'm So, Alex Jones, you know, he's he flies up to see Jack uh, and uh, and approach him as all reasonable people would. And uh, that takes about a total of about 40 seconds tops. So Alex has the rest of the day in Washington. What else are you going to do? Well, you have to scream at Oliver Darcy. You're the definition of a fraud. You are a charlatan that goes around lying about people to destroy the First Amendment. I haven't lied about anyone, Alex. Yes, you are a congenital liar. And CNN is a giant fraud and hated the world over. All right. <laughs> no, yes, it is. You are a liar. You think you can gaslight people and call for censorship, and then a day later say you aren't? Oh, boy. Alex Jones is an idiot and a moron. Uh, but he has a right to speak. He is. He is, however, not the only one uh, being untruthful here. Darcy did lead a campaign to pressure tech companies to kick Jones off the platforms. He specifically lobbied both Facebook and Twitter. So Jones does have a legitimate reason to be mad, but he's a moron. And you don't have a right to go and hassle people. By the way, um, when he first saw him, he's like, oh, there he is, Oliver Darcy. And what a surprise. He's Spawn from the loins of Glenn Beck. <laughs> and I wrote to Oliver and I said, I'm sorry, Oliver. I am getting so big and fat now that I apparently can shed an adult male from my loins and not even notice it. <laughs> oh. Okay, so Jones uh, was now permanently suspended from Twitter. A, sus- a suspension. A suspension can, I mean, that's not permanent. (laughs) You're banned. Yes, you've banned them from Twitter. Both Alex Jones' personal account and the InfoWars account is now gone for good. Now, before anyone cares to celebrate, think about how dangerous of a precedent this is. 
social media platforms have banned Alex Jones based off of the mob, a public outcry, a CNN journalist, Jones competition. All of this was brought to a head and he was kicked off. It begins with someone like Alex Jones that's easy to dismiss. But who is next? Because censorship, whether from the government or from a private company, builds like a snowball. Once it gets its first head, it will start rolling and get larger and larger. Meanwhile, Louis Farrakhan and even Hamas, a known stated terrorist organization, still has a Twitter account. In fact, Hamas not only has Twitter, but all social media and all tech companies are subjectively deciding who stays, who gets banned without any consistency at all. If Hamas has a voice in America, how does Alex Jones not have one? I am not a fan of Alex Jones. The guy is an absolute moron. He is... He is also a, I think he is a, he's a poison in our system. But he has a right. And you have a right to not listen to him or to block him or to follow him. All of these platforms claim they're not biased. But when Hamas is still having a voice on your platform and Alex Jones doesn't, I don't get it. And please, Oliver Darcy... I love you. You used to work here. I love you. However, I can't understand the error of your way. I cannot see the blindness that you have here. Because why aren't you hassling Facebook and Twitter over Hamas and over Louis Farrakhan just as much as you were for anyone else? If you're trying to say, well, what are the rules? We want to know the rules. Why are you only using one? Why? Pandora's box has been opened. The precedent has been set. Who will be the next small-time media outlet or personality to be deplatformed? Everyone, every voice on all sides should begin to look over their shoulder. September 7th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck program. Hi, ho. I am Kermit the Frog. I am Spartacus. Did you see that dramatic moment? Oh. Cory Booker yesterday? He's my hero. Oh my gosh. He was amazing. He was amazing. So he was he was in the Senate yesterday. And he, this is definitely not grandstanding or, or you know, just trying to bring the spotlight to yourself. He made such a sacrifice. He willingly said, no, 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 father, do not burn that son. I will go and be the the sacrificial lamb for your God. So he ties himself up and he throws himself on a bundle of sticks. And he's like, go ahead, set me on fire. And then everybody looks at him and is like, we don't want to set you on fire. Why would we set you on fire? Nobody was going to set anybody on fire. What are you doing, Corey? Uh, no, no, no. I'm the sacrificial lamb. 
Here's the moment yesterday that is quite possibly one of the most embarrassing uh, cries for attention. And remember, you're in competition now with Alex Jones. Most embarrassing cry for, please somebody pay attention to me, that I have ever seen. And I understand that that the penalty comes with potential ousting from the Senate. And if Senator Cornyn believes that I violated Senate rules, I, I, I openly invite and accept the consequences of my team releasing that email right now. And I'm releasing it to expose that, number one, the emails that are being withheld from the public have nothing to do with national security. Now, I appreciate the comments of my colleagues. This is about the closest I'll probably ever have in my life to an I am Spartacus moment. Uh, my colleagues, serious, numerous of them, yeah, said that they too accept the responsibility. Okay, he's dead serious when right. he says that. So what is oh what is the I am Spartacus moment? Okay, Let, let's just let's just define this first. In the movie Spartacus, Kurt Russell plays Spartacus, and uh, at one point he is a slave. And he is with all these other slaves that have been rounded up. They're all chained together. They're sitting in a valley. And the Romans want to know, you look, we have no problem with the rest of you. We'll let all of you go. Otherwise, we're going to kill all of you. We're going to slaughter every single one of you. Unless you tell us which one of you is Spartacus. And, And he realizes that, oh my gosh. Everyone's going to be killed because they're looking for me. And I can't let that happen. And so I will stand up to the power and I will stand up and say, I am Spartacus. But as he stands up, two others stand up with him. And before he can say, I am Spartacus, somebody else says, I am Spartacus. And then somebody else says, I am Spartacus. And before you know it, everybody in the valley is standing up saying, I am Spartacus. This is much better for for the monologue I just did if I would have if I would have finished that monologue and said, and by the way, first they come for Alex Jones. And I don't like Alex Jones. But if you're gonna come for somebody, then I am Alex Jones. Okay? That's an I am Spartacus moment. Not uh, you know what, I got some I got some documents. Uh, that have nothing to do with national security and, in fact, nothing to do even with the judge that we're talking about. Um, And uh, I'm going to pretend that these are really, really super sensitive and I'm going to break all the rules when actually all the documents that you're you're showing here, they've already been approved. They're all it's okay. Everything's good. And so you're standing up and going, (laughs) I am going You know what I'm going to do? I am such a rebel. I am going to get up at 7.30. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to come home. I'm going to take a shower. And then I'm going to get into my car. And I'm going to be in my office by 9 a.m. I don't care what anybody says. I am Bill. (laughs) It's it's ridiculous. Uh, It's amazing, too. I mean... First of all, we shouldn't dismiss the way he actually put it, which is, this is as close as I'll come to an I am Spartacus moment, which for me, it's probably true for Cory Booker. Yeah. The exact opposite of an I am Spartacus moment right. is as close as he will come. Right. Uh, but what's interesting about the I am Spartacus moment is that it, it at its core, is a moment of uh, of anonymity. It's, it's about 
it's about hiding the identity of someone doing something principled or whatever, right? Well, at he its is, core, it's at is its do- core is I'm willing to sacrifice for uh, I'm willing to tell the truth of who I am, which Cory Booker didn't do yesterday, of who I really am to save everyone else. But, but the but the moment. Right. It was not about him. It was about everybody else standing up going, no, sit down. Yeah, everyone else joining together for a principled cause to hide the identity of the person who was leading it, right? All this moment was about was, please, everyone in America, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. I'm saying this over and over again. Chuck Grassley in the middle of this thing is going, uh, can you please just stop repeating yourself? Yeah, but I'm putting myself on the line. I'm breaking the rules right now. I know, but you said that 5,000 times. Can you say something else? This no, I've got about, lots of campaign commercials to make. Exactly. It's all about trying to get eyeballs on Cory Booker so you notice he's different than Kamala Harris or whatever uh, Joe Biden, whoever else runs in 2020. So instead of, you know, it's, a, it's a, an act of, 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 of taking on uh, something that, you know, it's about hiding someone else's identity who is principled. Like if someone else stood up and said, I released those documents not Cory Booker. I released them. And then another person said, I released those documents. Of course, other people were saying I released those documents. The problem was they worked for the Bush administration. It's as if the Romans said, yeah, we're not really looking for Spartacus. <laughs> we're not interested. Why do you keep saying this? I'm Spartacus. I got it. I got it. What, what's the point here? Well, I'm an outlaw. <laughs> let me tell you a, let me tell you a very, this, this is a very, um, important story in history you know uh the story of jebediah and and cletus uh they had their (laughs) their last meal together uh it was a uh it was a friday night and uh and they 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 got together friday early 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 in the morning and cletus just pushed his chair away from the table he said jebediah one of you are going to betray me and jebediah said what are you talking about Cletus?" and cletus said what are you going to betray me in fact you know what I'm not even going to let that happen. I am just going right now uh, to the church and to the government, and I'm just going to turn myself in right now. And and Cletus did, and he stood there in front of the police station and the church, and he said, I am Cletus, and I will tell you right now, you can go ahead and drive those nails through my hands. And the priest opened up the window, and he's like, Cletus, what the hell are you talking about? It's 2 a.m. What are you doing? I am Cletus, and I know you're after me for what I say. And then the police come out, and they're like, Cletus, no, we're not, we're not, we're not after you. We, you're, you're, you're fine. In fact, you showed up in your police officer uniform. You, you work for us. We're not, we're not coming. Well, you can do whatever you want or say whatever you want, but I am Cletus. <laughs> It's so stupid. Oh, it's officially, it's officially a circus. I want, I would like to pass a law that every senator and every congressman and every person in the media need to start driving clown cars. It would make more sense. Yeah, would it be? I mean, the, the circus of this, we are in, what you're watching is the 2020 election. You were here already. Forget 2018. This is all 2020 election. Would it be so much better if Kavanaugh is sitting at the table and this little car drives up, beep, beep, (laughs) and then all of the senators get out of the car. You're like, how do they get all the senators in that car?
By the way, Kirk Douglas, uh, not Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah, Kurt uh, Douglas. Yes, I everyone's yelling Russell. at you about oh, that. Yes. I am Kurt Russell. All right, different movie. Um, <laughs> let me tell you about Casper. Casper mattress um, is just a great, great mattress. If you are looking for a new mattress, they're hard. It's hard to find one. And you go into the stores and, you, you know, you lay down on a bed and you feel stupid. And the guy is standing there like, well, have you tried this one? And I'm like, nah. I'm fully clothed. I'm going to lay on it. They're all starting to feel exactly the same. I lay on one. It's really, really super soft. And I'm like, oh, this is really comfy. But if you slept on that thing, your your back would be killing you. How many times have you gone to a mattress store and felt that way? And then bought a mattress and you're like, okay, I hate this damn thing. The best way to buy a mattress is to actually sleep on it for a couple of weeks. Casper's going to give you 100 nights. And if you don't love it, they come and pick it up. It's really, really super easy. You'll sleep cool. You'll sleep comfortable every single night. Go to Casper.com. Use the promo code Glenn right now. It, um, if you go there now, you're going to save, what is it, $50 towards the purchase of your select mattresses at Casper.com slash Glenn, promo code Glenn. That's with two N's. Don't forget the second N. Sometimes they'll say, leave the second N off for no reason, but don't. You've got to have both. G-L-E-N-N, promo code Glenn, casper.com slash Glenn. Did you see? Did you see the news reporting last night? Dude, have you seen this? Donald Trump uh, spoke for two hours and he couldn't say the word anonymous. <laughs> that was big news. Big news. Wow. We should do an in-depth study on mm. other words he couldn't say in a speech. Mm. I'm, I'm, it affected me deeply. I'm glued to the screen. Right yeah, I now. know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time they're doing this, they're wondering why they're irrelevant and they completely miss the fact that Joe Rogan is now the king of media. I think it's official and I hate to use the word media because I don't think it's exactly right for him because it's not media. It's just like a place where people who are hanging out, who just want to know about something that actually maybe is interesting, informative, or actually affects their life. That's where they go to listen and, and hear Joe Rogan. Remember, this is the guy who originally was having you eat spiders on Fear Factor. Okay. Hey, can you put that spider in your mouth? This guy is now the, the one who had Elon Musk on yesterday for two hours and 45 minutes. And Elon Musk, it was, it's an amazing interview. Amazing interview. There's so much to mine in the two hours and 45 minutes. It's, it's mind-boggling. Okay? He was smoking pot. He was, I mean, <laughs> wow. Potentially now, questionable tactics for a CEO <laughs> in crisis. To, yeah, uh, I would think that that doesn't make you look the most stable. <laughs> but I don't think that's what Elon Musk is yeah, going for. He doesn't care. Yeah. He's he, a billionaire and he's living a billionaire's life. I think the way billionaires should. I don't care. I don't care. I'm doing this. You can do that. Whatever. But I don't care. Yeah, I've got a crazy idea. I've got a lot of money and I can try it. So I'm doing it. Right. So the media, while the media is talking about absolute, it's a game. It's a game. There's a ton of people out there that aren't playing a game. They don't care about all of that stuff. They just don't care. 
And it used to be, I used to look at Joe Rogan and say, look how far ahead he is. And now I look at Joe Rogan and I say, look how clueless the media is. Look how close to death they really are. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Let's go back to some Glenn Beck Program first principles. Spit yourself out of the system. What does that mean? Spit yourself out of the system. It means don't be a part of this. Don't be a part of this. Uh, One of the other first principles of the uh, program has been uh, there's going to come a time when everybody's going to be angry and everybody's going to say, you got to come over here. We got to get these guys. And you have to calmly stand there and say, "Uh, no, I am not going with you. No, come come this way, this way. For a long, long time, I have not been able to give you an answer other than anything based on my gut and my gut was both right and wrong. It was right, but but I, I, I didn't know why. Um, because my gut has been saying, we gotta, there's going to come a time when we're going to be, be pulled apart. We got to lock arms now. We have to love one another. We have to love our enemies. We have to read Gandhi. We have to read Martin Luther King. We have to read Jesus. Because that's the answer. And... Nobody wants to hear that because they think that that is capitulating. And I guess in some ways I can really understand that. In many ways I can understand that. And I can understand how that message might have sounded. Um, But I have now spent about four years where uh, four years ago I was out. I was like, I can't do it anymore. I don't I, I would say all the time off the air. I don't have a single answer. I, 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 there's no reason for me to even exist and do this job. Why am I doing this job? I don't have any answers. Then, uh, two years ago, I started, I started noticing some things and not feeling comfortable trying, doing the same thing that I did when, when we found uh, modern progressives. And once you understood the early 20th century modern progressive, once you understood Woodrow Wilson, and everybody was like, oh, shut up about Woodrow Wilson. Once you understood that, once you understood the cabal that he put around himself, once you understood the the way that modern advertising was developed for propaganda, once you understood that, and you understood the the eugenics movement here in America that leapt over the water back into Germany and planted the seeds of the Holocaust. All of a sudden, you could go, OK, there's a difference between a liberal and a progressive. And most progressives don't have any idea what they're talking about. They have no understanding of of what that movement really is. Then I kind of gave up. Then I started hearing 180 some genders. Then I started hearing uh, the the hypocrisy beyond hypocrisy. I mean, beyond the just usual hypocrisy. People could march in the street against fascism and they themselves were advocating for fascist outcomes to silent speech. How the hell does that work? This is when I came very late to the table and really started doing my homework on postmodernism. Postmodernism 
if you understand this, you will understand how to fight. And it's not typical. Postmodernism is the idea that I can destroy the modern world and I have to destroy the modern world and anything that props it up. And what I mean by the prop, the, the modern world, and this is really important, is the age of enlightenment. Now, remember, the age of enlightenment is called enlightenment because it came and brought us out of the dark ages where nothing had meaning except for what the people up at the top said had meaning. Well, early on in Germany, they had a real problem with with enlightenment principles because it brought you, you are in charge of your own life, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, that is not acceptable. So the postmodernists got together and, uh, and decided... We have to destroy the patriarchy. We have to destroy anything, anything that revolves around reason that holds this system up. And we can use any tool, any device. Well, what they're trying to create is hatred, animosity, and chaos. It's working pretty well, isn't it? Because we don't realize what their, we, we don't realize what their real goal is. And that these are all just tactics made to make you enraged. Made to get you to respond in an angry way. Instead of laughing them off and saying, oh, you cute little postmodernist. Oh, how cute that is. Now, let me explain why postmodernism doesn't work. That's what you have to do. If you want to win... Because right now, there are people who do not agree with you on who to vote for. But they are looking at people like, um, uh, like Keith uh, Ellison or look at uh, Linda Sarsour. And they're Democrats. And they've always voted for the Democratic Party. And they're like, wait, I don't. It's Linda Sarsour. I don't think she's an actual feminist, at least the way I see it. The woman's wearing a hijab. Uh, no. She wants Sharia law. I don't think so. There are Democrats that feel that way. But because we have... Because we have... Called people who want a bigger welfare state, socialists and communists... Those people who just believe in a bigger helping hand from the government say, I'm not a socialist. I don't want to get rid of capitalism. And their defenses go up, and we push them into the arms of people who do want to destroy those things. Got to stop. Got to stop. Look how many people have been pushed to excuse people like Steve Bannon or Milo Yapanopoulos, whatever his name is, Um how many people excuse those things that wouldn't have? How many of us are excusing things in Washington right now that 20 years ago, there's no way in hell we would have ever even accepted or tolerated? We're now raising the flag and going, yeah, but your side, that's the problem. Yeah, but your side. Because the extremes have pushed us 
against each other. So it's it's amazing what's happening. It's amazing what's happening. There is a way out. But you have to understand it. And you have to be a leader. I am calling on you now to be a leader. I am calling on you now to say, this is the time. This is the time. If you've been listening to me for a long time and I said, there's going to come a time, it's right now. Because this is only going to get worse. And you have to educate yourself. You have to know what's going on. You have to be able to spot this. And you have to be able to defuse it. Do I cut the red wire or the white wire? That's who you are. My journey uh, on this has been almost a straight-up incline. Uh, and I, I wrote the book, um, Addicted to Outrage. And I started it before I, re- I thought I knew. <laughs> I didn't. And I, I wrote it a second time. Uh, and I'd like to write it again because it's such a steep incline. But I want you to get the very basic idea of w- that we are addicted now. There is science that shows you are addicted to Twitter, to Facebook, to your phone, to social media, and more importantly, to outrage. It feels good. That's, that's not a psychological thing. That is a chemical thing. We've had guests on from social media that have, have left social media who helped design it, who are now saying, we designed this to be addictive. And we all are addicted. We're addicted to the social media and we're addicted to outrage. You must break the addiction to outrage. You have to. Because when you're outraged, when you're angry, you stop thinking you are in fight or flight. How many times do you, do you lose your temper, you get upset, and then you have to go back and apologize and say, I'm sorry, I just flew off the handle. That's normal. Because when, some, when you feel your back is up against the wall, your animal instinct, which is to preserve humanity, it was put there for a reason, it's a good response. When you're put up against the wall, your instinct is to fight back. Or to flee. Fleeing doesn't help. Fighting back is what they want. You have to know. You have to know how their perverted anti-logic works. And that's what the book will give you, Addicted to Outrage. I urge you to uh, order it. Uh, order it for a friend. Uh, today is today the first day that the tickets are on for sale for the general public uh, for the tour. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm also going on tour. Um, some of the tickets come with a signed book and everything else. Uh, but, you know, even even if you've you can't afford that, I think the tickets are like 30 bucks or 37 bucks, something like that. Please come and come with a friend. Come with a friend who is like, I don't know. I don't like him. I, I don't know. I'm telling you, you will learn more from this book. And in the stage tour, we'll have a lot of fun uh, as well. Uh, We have to come together on the understanding of what's really going on. And it has 
It has nothing to do with the daily squabbles about Kavanaugh. Has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with literally the destruction of the Western world and literally the destruction of reason. That's one side. Your side cannot be the Democrats or the Republicans because that's not what the battle is here. Your side is reason, enlightenment, uh, open and honest conversation, the Bill of Rights. I have a right to be heard. I have a right to, to, uh, um, uh, to gather with whom I want. And because I have that right, I have to protect your right. It's why we're standing up for Alex Jones. This is the beginning of that fascistic silencing of voices, which is critical. And if you understand what what was set out out of frustration in in the 1950s, where the communists were like, these Americans, they are never going to do it. They're never going to have revolution. That's when a group of people got together and said, oh, we can cause them to have a revolution. We're going to pit them against each other. We're going to make everyone their own unique little class. And we're going to show them how they've been held down by the white male and the Western hierarchy. Because then they'll rise up and they'll destroy it all. That's the real goal. Find out all about it. Order your book right now. It's Addicted to Outrage. Addicted to Outrage. Available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everything else. All right. I want to talk to you about filter by uh, I was up at the uh, up at the ranch up north um, what last week it was last week my vacation yeah um, and I, I'm you know I'm up in the mountains and there's a mountain have you ever been to the ranch Stu I have not 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 oh, yeah, uh, that's right I've been invited list. or anything yet. yeah that's right uh, I've got a I've got a, a mountain uh, that is about 10,000 feet I don't know, about a, probably the foot of it is about a mile away from my front door, okay? I could not see that mountain because of the smoke from the forest fires. Wow. Not from California, but from Canada. It was bizarre. Hmm. And it's, it was so smoky. We are breathing in crap right now that uh, we, we, we're not supposed to be breathing in. And you would not believe how much crap is in the air. I mean, it's normal crap. But now because of the forest fires all over the country, you're breathing in stuff you shouldn't. And your air filter is probably black. FilterBy. Go to FilterBy.com. They're America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and businesses. They have, you know, 600 different sizes. And if you're, you know, a company and you've got some monstrosity like I do in the back of the studios here, you're probably going to need to have it custom made. They're all made right here in America. And you can save 5% right now if you order uh, and have auto replacement. So, in other words, it'll just show up at your door. And that's the best thing for me because then I look at it and I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah, where was the HVAC system again? I'll change my filter. Otherwise, I'm going to change my filter when I move because I'm just that kind of guy. Yeah, Tanya's a lucky woman. Filterby.com. Go to filterby.com. Change your filters now. Filterby.com. Glenn Beck. Well, the good thing is Twitter has gotten rid of uh, Alex Jones, so we've uh, silenced a voice. Uh, yet, 
Twitter is okay with Hamas having a voice here in America, which is kind of weird. Don't you think, Stu? Kind of weird. Yeah, there's a there's an interesting list of accounts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, Hamas has one. Louis Farrakhan has one. Yeah. Um, well, he's the not. Muslim Brotherhood. David yeah, Duke. David Duke has uh, one. Yeah. Antifa. Mm-hmm. Mahmoud Ahmadinejad from huh. Iran. Right. Bill Ayers. Right. Mahmoud Abbas. Right. Nation of Islam. Uh-huh. Uh, so, but it's no big deal. It's no big deal. We caught Alex Jones. Mm. Okay. All right. So I don't understand the standards. And uh, maybe we can all unite on this standard. Voices should not be silenced. More voices, not fewer voices. Maybe that's just me. Bill O'Reilly with his recap of the week. This one should be interesting when we come back. Glenn Beck. I want to start this hour with a personal note. For the very first time in, I don't, I don't know how long. Um, my hands are even a little shaky and I, I have, I am nervous to share with you something from my private life. Um, and I, um, I'm going to uh, this weekend in a special podcast. And then we're going to talk about it on Monday. Um, and I'm, I'm nervous about um, talking to you about it um, because it is so um, personal and it involves my family. And I, uh, Tanya and I have talked about it, and we feel that this happened to us for a reason, and uh, we should share it, but I am so uncomfortable sharing it. Look uh, for a uh, special podcast. If you subscribe to my podcast now, you will get it. It's either Saturday or Sunday. I'm not sure. Um, it was something that came out in the recording of a podcast that, uh, I had, I have been praying on this for a while and, uh, it just felt like it was time to say it. Um, but I didn't go into great detail on it, but we will, um, to some degree on Monday, uh, the, the, the parts that you need to know will go into on uh, on Monday. So if you are not a subscriber uh, to the podcast, go to, I don't know, iTunes or wherever you subscribe and, and get the podcast. That'll be coming out this weekend. And uh, as I said, uh, we will talk about it uh, openly and uh, and as clear as I can be on Monday. All right. Let's begin the hour, please. We didn't talk about this in advance. And I didn't plan on this advance, but prayed before we went on. So I feel um, compelled to share something that you know about, that nobody else knows about. I've not talked about this with anybody. You say you feel guilty. You know, why are my kids... 
I felt my kids were safe. Music. We're going to play some uh, Bill O'Reilly. How about having Bill on? A little technical difficulties there. Sorry about that. Uh-huh. Let's go to uh, let's go to Bill O'Reilly on the Glenn Beck program. Hello, Bill. Beck, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm all right. Okay, uh, Bill. It has been an interesting week. I don't even know where we should begin. I, I guess either we could either start with Woodward or Kavanaugh. Which do you prefer? Um. I think Kavanaugh is the more important story for uh, your listeners, so why don't we start with him? Okay, let's go. Kavanaugh is, in my opinion, a guy who, I mean, he's teaching at a Jesuit school, so I, I, I'm not sure, you know, the, the Jesuits are letting somebody in that I'm always comfortable with uh, to teach students, uh, so I'm not sure that you're going to get a better pick uh, more right down the center of America than Kavanaugh, and the left is is acting as if you know you're you're putting you know and uh, uh, Moses up there who is going to say no, it's only these ten laws. What's happening? Well, I think this is instructive in two ways. Number one that most Americans don't follow the Supreme Court. They don't watch the hearings. They don't know who Kavanaugh is. They don't know why he's important. Um, this is most of the folks. Now, the news people, people listen to this radio program, um, come to my uh, website, BillOReilly.com, they know. Um, and they know that for the f- past 20 years that the culture has changed dramatically. Wouldn't you agree with that? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So why has the culture changed dramatically? Why now uh, can't we speak about things um, and not being, uh, without being accused of being uh, a racist or homophobe or, you know, all of that. So the PC culture has enveloped every American. You say one word out of line, you can lose your job, you can be attacked, um, anything can happen. And that didn't used to be the case. You can't tell a joke. Um, you can't uh, disagree with anything. Uh, if somebody wants you to bake a cake and you don't really like what the cake is going to be used for, you have to bake the cake or go to the Supreme Court and spend a million dollars. So this is what it is. And, and this is why people need to pay attention, because all of this happened through the courts, not in Congress, um, all of this change in the culture was imposed on the American citizen by judges, many of whom are activist liberal judges. Because the conservative movement, all they want to do is keep the status quo. They don't, they're not looking to impose anything. So in gay marriage, they just said, well, we really don't like gay marriage because we feel that uh, marriage is uh, a sacrament and, and should be only between man and woman. We want to keep it that way. No, 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 no. You can't do that. Um, so now, with Trump putting forth two moderate traditional judges, they're not conservative bomb throwers. They're moderate traditional judges. This trend is likely to stop this PC imposition on every American is likely to stop. 
That's why you're seeing these people in the chamber screaming, screeching. Um, And you're seeing the far-left Democrats on the Judiciary Committee doing everything they can to stop it, because they know that the PC culture, the, the progressive culture, is not going to be able to progress through Congress. It never has. It's now going to stall. And that's what this is all about. Okay, may I, may I present a different uh, take, slightly different take, and get your thoughts on it? I think there are, there are things that are happening right now, uh, and you have to divide them really kind of into four groups. You have the real true postmodernist Marxist groups, the, the you know, the, uh, uh, the, the, the head of the snake here, of the, the Linda Sarsours, that are out of step with almost everyone except those postmodernist markets that want uh, uh, Marxists that want to destroy reason, destroy the West, divide and conquer. Those people are very clear and they, I would agree, um, want to stop anyone. Uh, Kavanaugh doesn't matter who it is unless you're a postmodernist Marxist. They're going to scream and yell. But part of their reason for doing that is they need the chaos and the anger. Well, that's when you get in the next group. The next group of the politicians that are using those people. They think they're using them, but it's the opposite way around. They've been using those people for fuel to get people to rally around the Democrats or a politician. And so they're they're using the the legitimate uh, postmodern uh, anger Uh, And they are using that to try to get elected. The media is just doing it because they're with one of those groups uh, and they get ratings out of it, which leaves the average Democrat. Do you believe that the that there is a growing number of average Democrats that are not into one hundred and eighty three genders? They're not into there is no truth. They're not into any of this. And they're not the kind that you know, like to sit in a room and be told, sit down, shut up. You're going to listen to us for a while. Those people are starting to peel away or will start to peel away. Agree or disagree? I don't know what the numbers are about those people. Um, I think younger American Democrats are happy with the radicalization of the party. They have been raised in a sense of entitlement. They want the government to give them things. I'm generalizing, of course. Um, But 45 and down, I think they're happy that we have uh, Elizabeth Warren saying, hey, I'm going to pay for everything in your life. Correct. The older Democrats, I think, may be uh, fed up with it. But their problem is that they, the Republican Party has been demonized to the extent that they say, well, where am I going to go? Correct. You know, Correct. do I go to Trump? Um, he's the devil. Um, so I'm not sure the numbers there are going to be significant. Uh, okay. Let's go, to, uh, let's go to Bob Woodward's book. Yeah. Bob Woodward... Do you think he's a credible source? I do. I've known him a long time. I've had him on uh, 
my programs dozens of times. Uh, his reporting of Watergate was honest. But I, I wrote a column about how he did this. Uh, I don't know how much time we have before Stu has to go to the uh, men's room. I've got about two um, minutes here. Okay. Had a big water right, this let me morning. Give you, let me give you the outline of it. You walk into a publisher's office, and you know this better than anyone because you're an author. You say, I want to write a book on this. Give me $5 million. In Woodward's case, it's $10 million. The publisher says yes or no. It's got to be a sharply focused book. This is what I want to do. So Woodward says, I'm going to do a book on Trump and the chaos within the Trump administration. Simon & Schuster hands him the check. Then he goes out. Now, he can't come back six months later and go, you know what? I didn't find that. I found that there's a lot of good things going on in the Trump administration. That's he can't do it. All right? He's got to stick to his original um, plan. So he casts a wide net in Washington, and he knows everybody. Who doesn't like Trump? Who's disenchanted inside the, uh, the administration? And the names come back. And he starts to call them. And every single one of them say, well, you can't use my name. This is deep background, Beck. Deep background. No name. So then he writes down what they say or records what they say. And then he says, Woodward says, how can I verify this? And they say, well, call my cousin Lenny. I told him exactly the same thing on the day it happened. Here's Lenny's number. And then he calls Lenny, and Lenny goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember something like that. Verification. And then they put it in the book. Well, what is the difference between these, <laughs> uh, you know, unnamed sources, uh, I mean, and yeah. and Deep Throat? Um, specificity. Because you were basically, what Woodward and Bernstein were reporting on in Watergate were very specific allegations that Nixon yes. was ordering payments to people, paying people to shut up right, but this is an illegal action. But so you know, and I know you know this, this book is not about an investigation on Russia. No. It's about how is, this, how is this administration operating, or at least at the time. That's right. And, okay. and that's, I'm glad you brought that up, Beck, because when we come back from break, I will tell you why Trump is handling this all wrong. All wrong. And how this book could help him if he could figure it out, which he never will, because he don't listen to anybody. <laughs> which is in the book. Okay, we'll be back with Bill O'Reilly in just a second. want to share some uh, feedback that we've gotten from uh, our partners at Palm Beach Letter, the Tika Tawari's crypto course. 97% of the listeners have given his crypto course a four- or five-star rating. Uh, people, uh, Richard wrote in, very simple course. It's He's really good as a presenter. Uh, another person I, I knew very little uh, from various sources, uh, but the how-to pieces were all missing. I now have a better grasp on what cryptocurrency is and how to buy it if I want to. That's from uh, Barry. I was less than a novice when I started this course. The lessons were clear and concise, although still apprehensive. I believe the course has given me the confidence to actually um, invest in cryptocurrencies or at least know how to do it. That's from Maryland. Lots of people uh, are taking this crypto course. We asked Tika to to put this together and to give you the basic understanding of what cryptocurrency is, what the blockchain is, why it's why it is 
game changing and why I believe everybody should have, you know, at least a hundred dollars in it. You should never put a lot of money into this because it, it, it could all go to hell, but it also could be game changing hundred bucks in cryptocurrency smartcryptocourse.com take it now smartcryptocourse.com or you can call 877-PBL-BACK 877-PBL-BACK welcome to the uh welcome to the program bill o'reilly is here now to tell us uh how donald trump should handle the wayward uh the uh woodward book yeah i mean i just can't understand why because, as you know, I've known Trump for so long, why he just cannot step back for a second and see that he has helped Woodward, that mm-hmm. he helps people that he attacks mm-hmm. in tweets. Okay? First of all, who cares about the Woodward book, Beck? Who? Do you care about it? No. All right. Stu, of course, doesn't care about it. I don't care about it. Well, now, wait, hang on just a second. Let's, wait, wait, let's, let's, let's go a little deeper on that. The reason why is because there's nothing new here. I got That's it. That's right. There's nothing what new. I'm going to learn from 423 pages of Trump bashing. Right. Nothing. And I was just going to say that, so thank you for speeding me up. Yeah. All right. So Trump supporters, they don't care about the book. There's not one of them going to buy it. It's like Amorosa's book, right? The people who hate Trump, they already know that they hate him. So a few people in D.C. will buy the book. It'll get some publicity. It's like the it's going to be a big guy's book. book, but it's going to be a big book. It won't I don't be. I think it's going to sell out well in the long run. I don't think it's going to have legs. I really don't. Yeah, it, it, too many of them. It it may not. It may not have the legs that a book like this uh, would have had in the past. You know, five years ago, because yeah. there's too many of them. Yeah. You know how many how many times are going to have to read the same thing? Yeah, it's so, not. I it's, mean, maybe I'm wrong, um, it, but I'm usually not, as you know. Okay, <laughs> so so. Nobody cares really about this book yeah. in the sense that it, it matters to anybody's life. Mm-hmm. So, Trump, that's number one. Okay, do we have it, Mr. President? No one cares. Okay. Number two, after all these interviews and all of these people trashing Trump from within his own organization, none of them tell Woodward, hey, Trump admitted that he and Vlad Putin were vacationing in the Maldives talking about the campaign. Mm-hmm. I heard him say that. Mm-hmm. Okay? Not one, not one mention of any collusion with the Russians or anything. Now, if I'm Trump, that's what I latch on to. All right? So here's the best reporter, investigative reporter. The establishment says he's the best in the world. He comes out with a 400-page book. There's not, no mention of this. Okay? That's the headline. But no, no, Trump's got to go. This is all made up. It isn't made up. Woodward's not going to do that. He's not going to make it up. He's got tape recordings and talking to people, and they're saying whatever they say. I mean, that guy's not stupid. So anyway, there you go, Beck. And I don't understand why the White House isn't smarter at this point in history. Bill, is it, I mean, you know, this is a great example of it, I think, today in that, you know, you have all of these stories and all the controversy and all the back and forth. And by the way, uh, the unemployment rate came out today. It's 3.9 percent. Like, and it gets, does yeah. that get any traction at all? Do, do the American people even know that? I mean, I, well, the stock market didn't. It went down. I mean, so I think that's built in again that, that the economy is good. Um, Trump will campaign on that, of course. He 
I think he did a seven-hour speech last night in Montana. I think he's still speaking, by the way, about, you know, how good the economy is. Right. Um, I heard, though, that, that he's going to start demanding everybody comb their hair the way he does. That's next. Uh, I, don't I don't think, think that's, that's possible. <laughs> I don't think that's a you know who the You know what's amazing, Bill, is yeah. the, the guy who cuts his hair. You yeah. know, every that is everybody. Everybody wants to know. I mean, how does that work, et cetera, et cetera? That guy is a complete unknown. I think he made Donald Trump sign a non-disclosure, saying you can never tell anyone I'm the guy who cuts your hair. He doesn't want to be tied. Well, he had a haircut last night. That's why I bring it up. You know, it's funny that Fox News carries the whole speech. Yeah, and and they basically say, look. This is great because um, quickly none of you people have to come to work today. But they lose sponsor time because they don't cut the break. Mm-hmm. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Let's go to Bill O'Reilly. Uh, we've just talked about Bob Woodward's book uh, coming out and the things that are in the book. There, it's a time capsule of the way his uh, office was running uh, at the beginning, and I don't think anybody was surprised by it. Uh, and I didn't think there was anything new in it. If you take out all the he said, she said stuff, which you're never going to be able to verify unless he releases the tapes, um, you know, there was nothing new in there at all about Donald Trump even. I mean, that's the guy we elected. I got it. But there was another thing that happened the very next day, and that was the New York Times op-ed of some anonymous, high-ranking senior official uh, that <laughs> is, is pretty much admitted to a secret combination or a cabal uh, that tried to uh, talk about the invoking the 25th Amendment, which means, you know, he's incapacitated or too crazy for office. They didn't, quote, want to cause a constitutional crisis. So instead, they're working behind the scenes to thwart what he wants to do. Yeah. Bill, is is there any way that this is constitutional or legal or good that you can see? Yeah, it's legal um, because even though you work for a president, you have uh, freedom of speech. Um, no, 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 no. I mean... I mean, this is this is not a constitutional rule of law. If you're working for him to be able to go into his office to say, Mr. President, no, this is why it's wrong. That's one thing. But yeah. to to covertly subvert the president, walk out of his office and go, OK, guys, we're not going to do any of that. That's not constitutional. No, it's a personnel matter. I, I don't think you're going to get anywhere on a constitutional level of this. But let me put some perspective into it, because I know you enjoy that. They did the same thing to Abraham Lincoln, the team of rivals. I mean, they tried everything to blunt Lincoln's um, opinion about how to wage the war, the Civil War. The same exact thing happened. John Adams, his crew, the people working for him, they almost hung him in the uh, Alien and Sedition Acts and all of that. This isn't anything new. Every president's got dissenters and people who try to sabotage from within. Every single president. Ronald Reagan, in the 25th Amendment thing, he, they actually discussed it if you read Killing Reagan. We laid it right out for you. After he was shot, he was foggy some days, and they, his staff, they didn't know whether he was going to be able to carry on. So all of this is uh, hyperbole, and it doesn't concern me. The New York Times obviously is out to get 
uh, Trump removed from office. They'll do anything. Um, you know, it, it, when this is all masked, it'll probably be Tom Arnold who wrote the op-ed. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you any know, doubt that just, that name will come out? Yes, I think somebody will squeal on him. Um, but you know, once it comes out, then if it's Anderson Cooper, it'll be a big scandal. Let me let me let me ask you this: yeah. we, we talked to somebody yesterday. Uh, yeah. He's a he's a journalist. I don't even remember his name. What was his name, Stu? Remember, Matt something. Matt Laplante. That was it. And wow. uh, you apparently hate him, and so that was one of the reasons why we talked to him. I didn't uh, even know him. Yeah, apparently you you said that he was. I don't know. He wasn't a journalist. I, at one point, apparently you invited him on the show, and he wouldn't come on. Uh, so. Who does he work for? Uh, Salt Lake Tribune, Tribune and a, a few other uh, papers. All right, so he's on local clowns yeah, who said something ridiculous. That's exactly how his website okay. describes him: a local <laughs> yeah, clown. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. uh, you are. You, you know, you're a you're a beautiful man. Uh, so anyway, so uh, you didn't like it, but that's one of the reasons why we called him right away. Um, <laughs> after the show, we we got this tweet yesterday that yeah. he said, "I've put all the phrases and everything into Google, and I'm matching." Uh, matching phrases that have been used by people. I've been taking the phrases and then putting names next to them, see if anything pops up. He said, relentlessly, two names keep popping up, and only two names. Ian Bremmer, who is a guy who's a writer and uh, wrote for, uh, has written a few uh, op-eds for the New York Times, uh, and John Huntsman Jr. And they both work for Trump? Uh, they but well, J- John, John Huntsman. Huntsman John Huntsman works for Trump. He's the ambassador to Russia. Uh, oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, um, and uh, I don't think that's possible. You don't. Um, the other guy is he a speechwriter? Uh, no. So the the uh, the other guy is just a writer, and he's on you know he's on TV here and there. But they um, were neighbors in Washington. They're they, good friends with each other. So the accusation or the the inclination the I don't know what you want to say it was. It, well, he didn't wasn't actually accusing it, but his theory basically said that Bremer co-wrote it with Huntsman, and and Bremer and Huntsman have co-written an op-ed for the New York Times previously. And Huntsman uh-huh. is the guy who did the no labels thing. Uh, and you know it, it does read, for the Obama administration as well. Yeah, it does read like uh, Huntsman, but I, you know, there's no evidence of that other than this one guy. Yeah, well, I have one word: fooey. <laughs> you ever heard, you haven't heard that one in a while? Is that I mean, the word of the day today? Fooey. Mm. Yeah, I don't care. I don't speculate. It's boring. I got something on Nike. Do you care? Yeah. Okay. Today, writing in the New York Post, Phil Mushnick. I love that last name, Mushnick. Uh, points out that Nike um, has been credibly accused of paying overseas workers nothing to make its very expensive Air Jordan sneakers. In fact, there's, for years, Nike's been criticized for exploiting foreign labor. So I'm paging Colin Kaepernick in my tweet. Hey, Colin, about that social justice, huh? <laughs> dreaming? I think they're dreaming over there in uh, China making the Nikes for no money. Isn't that nice? What do you think? Well, I have I have something for you. Tell me what you think of this. All right. Uh, the stock of Tesla taking a dive today. Yeah, it's a good car. I have a friend of mine has it. It's a great car, and uh, I like it. Yeah. But Elon Musk—that's his name, right? Elon Musk. Yeah, that's his name. Yes. Okay. 
I don't follow this stuff, Beck. I mean, I got a car that's four years old. It gets me where I want to go. Well, he's more than just a car guy. I mean, you know, he's he's more Uh, than just Tucker. Anyway, I went to a party one time, and I don't go to parties much, but I I was paid a lot of money to do it. (laughs) And Elon Musk was there. And and he was sitting there, and I and he and he didn't introduce him, but somebody introduced me to him. He said, "This I I say, how you doing?" Well, nah. The guy didn't say one word at the party for like three hours to anybody. Um, so that's my Elon Musk story. Um, he looks like a guy. Who's Work a little, on that story uh, and bring frazzled. it back. <laughs> Work on frazzled. that. What? What'd you say? He's a little frazzled. Well, yeah, his it looks like it. His stock is going down today, and there's two reasons I want to bring this up. His stock is yeah. going down today because. Uh, he was on the Joe Rogan uh, show, and yeah. he 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 smoked pot on the uh-huh. Joe Rogan uh, show, which legal pot or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In California, it was all legal. It was a it was a blunt, and it was uh, half uh, tobacco, half pot. I guess. I um, love that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you and you and I <laughs> we're we're smoking our blunts you all get, the time. You get lung cancer twice as fast. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway, really he's smoking good. this, and you're you're thinking to yourself. Yeah. What do you do? I mean, you are a CEO of a company and people are saying that you're a little unhinged. Right. What are you doing? Well, what I, you don't know what he's doing. What he's doing is there's going to be a new advertising campaign um, for the Tesla. And that is when you charge up your car, you know, your electric charge, mm-hmm. you get a free free pot. Free blood. <laughs> yeah. It's like very much in the drug culture there. <laughs> very, you're very, you're smooth. No, you're smooth. The other thing is 150,000 for the car. So he has a little bag of pot. The other, <laughs> the other thing that I reason yeah. why I want to bring this up is um, I've been watching Joe Rogan for a while and you know, Joe Rogan was the guy who was, you know, we eat this spider for a hundred bucks. He was that guy. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and he's he started a podcast, uh, you know, I don't know how long ago, and it has grown into an absolute force. No one in the mainstream media sees that they have been dethroned. They're just oh, it's just like BillOReilly.com. Well, it's just like it's just like my thing with pop. I mean, we're going we're going crazy, <laughs> and and. Um, thank you for uh, mentioning it. Oh, you did? Sure. I did. All right, okay. So, Rogan, yeah, Rogan's good. I got a gift for you and, uh, and uh, Stu. Oh, you really? Really? What? You back. what is that? Okay. We started a new concierge service on BillOReilly.com. Did you? Really? Yeah. Can I get yeah, a, a little extra money? Can I get a hookah get, there? Yeah, we send you pot. No, okay. that's not true. The concierge service means you directly... If you sign up for the service, and I'm giving it to you and Stu free, okay? Because I know you need this service. I do. You can you can email me directly with any questions you have, and I'll answer them. Mm. Well, that is something you know. know It's people are you know what a lot of these concierge members are doing? They're asking me questions about their kids in school. It's fascinating. Why do you know about their kids in school? Is there something we should know about here? Certain teachers are doing this. How oh, do you yeah, handle okay. it? Yeah. What should the kids say? Um, what are my rights? Um, should I allow it to happen? See, we a have, lot of that. We have okay. something very, very similar where you can just email me at me at glenbeck.com, and then I don't even read it. Yeah. And so it just goes in a black hole. It's not really successful. <laughs> but at <laughs> I do. Yeah. I, wow. I do. And I answer all of them. Huh. And there are some really insane ones too. Mm. Yeah, there, there's one that people write in and they, and they say, um, "We have a city council member named Hortense, 
um, and she's really mean. What should I do? <laughs> and what is your and what is your advice? My advice is don't ever come out of the house. Right. <laughs> That's it. Okay. If, but, you're that, if this is what you're paying, ask me. Just don't go out of the house. <laughs> Bill O'Reilly from BillOReilly.com. You can sign up for it, 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 what what do you when you join BillOReilly.com, is that what you get you get this? No, you're a premium member when you join, you can upgrade a concierge membership and wow. you and Stu are getting it. Oh wow. I'm very excited it's, about it's this. Like, yeah, it's, because you guys need a lot of advice and mm-hmm. I'll be I'm there for you. It's like Christmas on a Holocaust Day. It's just it's wholly inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh thank you. I don't even know what that means. Bill, thank you very much. <laughs> sure. All right, Might have been the blunt next week. that I had. Thank you. <laughs> you should stop doing drugs on the earth. That's one <laughs> you thing. You think so? We should try to we, Elon you know might want to think about that too. Ask Bill O'Reilly with his concierge uh email mm-hmm. if you should continue to do drugs on the air and see if that's a good mm-hmm. idea. It might not be. We'll have to check it out with Bill. All right. BillOReilly.com. Okay. Whatever. All right. Uh I want to talk to you a little bit about uh uh office chairs. The chair that you're sitting in. Everybody knows what kind of car you have, right? I mean, quick, what kind of car do you have? What kind of, uh, you know, uh, what, what, what kind of uh, uh, seat do you have in your car? Does it have anything special in it to, to make you feel more comfortable? What kind of maneuvers does it do? Everybody knows all of this stuff about their car, and we pay so much attention to it, but we're sitting in our chair at our office for eight hours a day. And we get these crappy chairs from Staples. And uh, no offense to Staples, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not really looking to, uh, to sit in any of your chairs for a long period of time. Unfortunately, uh, so many of us do that because there's somebody in the office who just orders chairs. I have no idea who ordered these chairs, uh, but they suck. And, well, they've stopped them from squeaking. That's nice. Uh, I've just ordered some new chairs. I've ordered an uh, X chair. New uh, chairs. That means yes. Stu will be yes. getting one of these yes, chairs. Okay. Well, I put one in the the TV studio for me. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it's. I mean, it's not a back chair. It just has the best uh, lumbar support of any chair I've ever been in. Mm. Like it's crazy. The guy who runs this company was just in, uh, and he said he was so amazing. He's like, "Can I see you sit in the chair?" And I said, "Oh, I mean, you want to take pictures? I mean, it's not very sexy, but." Uh, and he's like. Oh, ick. Okay, no. Um, but he adjusted it. It has 900 different ways to adjust this chair. Wow. And um, it's a it's just the best chair I've ever sat in. If you are looking for a, an office chair, you're looking to redo uh, your office and have a bunch of uh, chairs for everybody, this is the best chair ever. We're getting them into the uh, studio. I already have one that is great. They are on sale, $100 off. It's the X-Chair. Go to xchairbeck.com. That's the letter xchairbeck.com. Or you can call 844-4X-Chair. X-Chair. Comes 30-day, no questions asked, guarantee of complete satisfaction. xchairbeck.com. Use the promo code BECK, and you'll get not only the usual $100 off sale, but you'll also get a free um, uh, footrest as well. 844-4X-Chair or xchairbeck.com. Hello, and uh, welcome to the program. Glad you are here. Today is the uh, first day the tickets go on sale to the general public. Uh, are they available now or do they start at a certain time? They're available right now. If you go to glenbeck.com slash tour, uh, it's our Addicted to Outrage uh, tour. I am announcing, uh, I think, an additional city 
Monday or Tuesday, I think. Um, I think it's next week. I'm not really sure. Everything blurs uh, to me. Uh, but I think I'm announcing another additional city next week. But there are plenty of cities all over the country, and we would love to see you. It is, uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, there's going to be some laughs. There's uh, going to be somebody joining me, and we'll tell you about that coming up in the next few weeks. But you want to grab your tickets now. Uh, and it's our Addicted to Outrage tour. You can find a city near you and come and see us. Find it at glenbeck.com slash tour. Pretty exciting. I'm, uh, you haven't done this in a long time, so it'll be so nervous. a lot of fun. Plus, if you're, uh, you can get books, too. Some of the packages have the signed books mm-hmm. involved in them, meet and greets and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah. So Pretty cool. Yeah. I like the fact that one of the meet and greets uh, includes alcohol, which... I Being like an too. alcoholic like and the seeing that the show is, you know, named, you know, addicted to. Uh, a lot of times they do this, like when you have like a big drug problem, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll give you other things that are kind of bad too, but they're a lesser addiction. Yeah. Uh, so this yes. is this is one of the ways we're treating your addiction to alcohol. Yeah, I will tell you we're that. Look her you up. Yeah, you're. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have, if you're an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. It's much better than being addicted to outrage. It's really? Yeah, it is. It really is. It is, at least at night. Yeah. I don't know in the morning or during the day if it's better. Yeah, yeah it is. Really? Yeah. yeah. I'm somebody who's been there. You, yeah. yeah. At not. least the beginning. Before your life completely spirals out of control, mm-hmm. you know? Both. I wasted all of those good blackouts on nothing. Yeah. I didn't, there's nothing I wanted to forget at that time. Now, so much. Oh, I could so drink much. myself into oblivion during one of the one of the Senate hearings, and I wouldn't remember it. Mm. It would be fantastic. Do we have a bar here, at kids? Studios, kids, don't waste your alcoholic blackouts <laughs> on nothing. Save them for later in life. You're, you might need them. Glenn Beck and the winner of the Tony Award for Best Political Theater Ensemble Cast. For their production of Confirmation Sabotage Stooges. Cory Booker and the Senate Democrats. Hey, you did it, Cory. That's fantastic, isn't it? Republicans were good, but you, you just can't beat the, combi- you know, the, the combination, the knockout punch of Dick Durbin, Dianne Feinstein, Patrick Leahy, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker. I mean, they know how to put on a show, don't they? And I, I think the best actor, uh, you know, uh, Tony, it w- was clearly a Cory Booker because, I mean, look at this. This this is this is Oscar worthy performance. Watch. This is about the closest I'll probably ever have in my life to an I am Spartacus. I moment. am Spartacus. I am Spartacus. With the Shakespearean flair of only a dramatic actor, Booker informed the Senate Judiciary Committee that he was willing to lay it all out on the line and ensure that confidential racial profiling emails were released from Brett Kavanaugh's days working in the George W. Bush White House. It was, it was almost as exciting and as real, as visceral, as that moment that we've all, we've all had. Where somebody finally stands up and says, Mr. Chairman, it was Kavanaugh in the racial profiling billiard room. Yes, it was thrilling to watch. But then Senator John Cornyn read aloud some Senate rules reminding Booker that releasing confidential documents is not allowed and that uh, by doing so, he'd be, you know, expelled from the Senate. 
And that's when Booker bravely stared the villain Cornyn in the eyes and said, Bring it. And then he said, Bring it again. And he said, like, Bring it. Bring it. Bring it. Five or six times. It was, he brought it home. I mean, it was compelling. Either that or he's doing different takes for his television commercials. Bring it. No, I didn't like that one. Let me do it again. <clears throat> Bring it. No, not quite right. I've got to have the perfect take for my campaign commercials for president. Now, the, the only, and this is barely even worth mentioning, the only criticism, you know, of his performance yesterday is that, um, you know, it was completely phony. Um, but that's what you expect from actors, Right. Right? They're playing a role. It turns out the damaging emails uh, that he was so desperate to risk my career to release. Apparently already approved to release. So, uh, big deal. And by the way, um, in those emails, you know, it's racial profiling in the billiard room. Yeah, not really. Uh-uh. It actually showed that uh, Kavanaugh was was saying, hey, 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 slow down, slow down. This is right after 9-11. Slow down, slow down, slow down. Yes, there are people coming here that are that want to kill us, but we cannot do anything that is based on race. Oh, so it's almost like mm, Kavanaugh in the billiard room without the candlestick or the racial profiling or anything else. He was just in the billiard room. That's enough. Bring it. Booker was not being brave. He wasn't being a rebel. Uh, he wasn't willing to fall on his sword for principles. He was playing it on TV. Hello, I'm Cory Booker. I'm not a doctor, but I do play one on TV. And then take your glasses off. Oh, my gosh, that's brilliant. And when it turned out that the damaging emails weren't really even damaging Kavanaugh, uh, that's when CNN decided to say, uh, well, I was going to have him on. You know, to talk about it, because I'm really upset about it, because I think he did some really bad things. What? Uh, he wouldn't come on. So I'm not going to talk about it. Can we play that Cuomo quote, please? All right. I was going to talk to you about Senators uh, Kamala Harris and Cory Booker and how they seem to be showing off today, maybe as a posture for 2020. But you know what? They wouldn't come on the show to defend themselves anyway, or at least make the case to you. So forget it. So forget it. So forget it. Of course, Donald Trump is on my program every night defending himself. If he wouldn't come on, I would not say a naughty word about him because it would be quite unfair of us to do. <laughs> oh, I love the new ever-changing standards at CNN. <sighs> well, the sad news is everything that I just told you, you know, the whole the whole Tony award, it wasn't real. Um, he didn't win the Tony, neither did the Senate Democrats. I was just making that up and playing a role exactly like Cory Booker was yesterday. It's Friday, September 7th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck program. Hello, Stu. Mr. Beck. Can we just talk about some like human stuff here for a second? Just yeah. for a second. Have you gone to? Uh, have you seen uh, Crazy Rich Asians? <laughs> I did see Crazy Rich Asians. Yes, last weekend. It Oops. is the the most aptly titled movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. It's not. They're not. 
Because you think, are they calling them crazy? No, they're just saying they're crazy rich. Yeah. There's a lot of craziness in the movie, but... Yeah, they're crazy rich (laughs) Asians. Somebody asked uh, Tanya the other day, have you seen that movie? She said, yeah. Well, what's it about? Crazy Crazy rich rich Asians. Asians. (laughs) I mean, it's just... That describes it. Uh, Did you like it? Yeah, it was fun. I thought it was lots of fun. It was fun. It was an... It was... You know who I really strangely like, and she probably hates my guts? That's you can. Yeah, this is a very open book, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start in the A's. Aquafina. <laughs> you know who Aquafina is? Uh, no, I don't. The actress? Yes, I know uh, this. I know the. She wa- was water. in uh, Ocean's Eight, and she's in this one. Uh, she was the blonde Asian. <laughs> you know the friend. Yeah, she's very funny. She is hysterical. I just love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. It was it was a good movie. Uh, it was uh, I. Because I remember, you remember the 80s, um, and I know probably for you, maybe not, uh, lots of drugs <laughs> going through the system. Even, I, even, I wouldn't even dignify that with an answer. <laughs> but there was a time where it was okay to celebrate wealth as something that was not the end goal of your life, but that something was generally positive and something yeah. that maybe you'd want to get involved yeah. in, right? Yeah. And there's all those movies like Michael huh. J. Fox would make like The Secret of My Success. Yeah. And it was all basically about him trying to get rich. And, and at the end, he kind of learns there's there's more to it than that. Huh. But it was still a, it was a glory, it glorified yeah. that a little bit. And yeah. then there was an era where, um, you know, rappers and and uh, and mm-hmm. sort of rap mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. embraced. Mm-hmm. And this is one, by the way, Donald mm-hmm. Trump was incredibly p- popular mm-hmm. uh-huh. with with African Americans, uh-huh. uh-huh. uh, and he would that was that culture really you know made that uh-huh. a big deal. And uh-huh. That was okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And this is it was interesting in this way in that it was this movie mm. made it sort of okay no, in some ways. No, um, no, no, to go no. after uh, no to be wealthy. No, no. Um, Mm-mm. No, no, no! It didn't. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're. Well, I mean, I. I mean, yes, yes. On the surface, mm-hmm. yes, but it was glorifying crazy, crazy rich, rich Asians. People. Yes, yeah, yes. Um, um and, but it, but it, it was very clear, though. It's what you said. It. I said it incorrectly. I said crazy rich people, mm-hmm. crazy rich Asians. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Crazy rich white people. That's obscene. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. But if it's on the other side of the planet where people have been oppressed for a long time, they can be the biggest capitalists and the biggest, you know, money pigs ever. And it's not so bad. No. No. It's not so bad. They're taking it away from the white man. I mean, most of the good characters in the movie are, of course, embarrassed about the wealth. And the, you know, but still, like, but they're not embarrassed by the wealth. They're embarrassed by the decadence and the yeah. meaningless. And the meaninglessness of the wealth. Yeah. I thought it was a great story. I thought it was, in some ways, uh, the Great Gatsby just set in, I mean, a happier Great Gatsby. I hate to say Great Gatsby because if you've ever watched it or read it, you're like, oh, dear God, no. Mm -hmm. Um, But it has that same party atmosphere, that same over-the-top, oh, my gosh, what is it like to have that kind of money? And then the grotesqueness of it, but it's a happy story. Yeah, I yeah I think so. I yeah. mean, I was. It, I liked it. I, I liked it too. Can I give you another one that I think is is positive? Yeah, 
uh, on maybe on the other side of the uh, other side of the this equation. Yeah, uh, Jeffrey Owens, the actor from the Cosby Show. We talked about him a little bit earlier this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a picture taken of him working as a bagger at Trader Joe's. And oh, can you believe that? This guy. He had to take a job at a grocery store. And by the way, his shirt is too tight. Only uh, he seems to be overweight only, now. Only peasants work at grocery stores. Right. And so that was kind of the attitude of particularly one Fox News article, but many publications sort of did this. And right away, you know, I think a lot of really good people said, wait a minute, what the heck? So, yeah. so the guy yeah. took a job and is actually yeah. working for a living. Good for good him. For him. Uh, we, should, we, should, we should be proud of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, the first, listen to this. This is the, um, the first person when he realized an article was going to be written about him. Oh, I love this story. Yeah. He wrote to, he texted his 19-year-old son to apologize, which is really rough. He said, he was the first person I thought of, and I texted, I'm really sorry if this embarrasses you. He texted me back something, a beautiful response that made me cry, and I knew it was going to be okay. Uh, now, because of, you know, partially because of the at- attention, I guess, uh, he is now mulling over some uh, acting jobs that he might be able to take, which might be cool. Um, and it's kind of nice. I think people really like look at him and say, you know, this is a good, you know, you want to, you kind of wish everybody who has this moment and they kind of come into our living room. And the Cosby show was in our living room, luckily with Bill, not so literally, but it was in. <laughs> Well, he never got near the bar. He never got near the bar, luckily. <laughs> um, but, you know, these people, they become, in some ways, your f- in a roundabout way, your friend, right? Yeah. Um, where you kind of care about them and you feel like, okay, someone, you know, that person accomplished something amazing. This is a legendary television show. This guy was on it. You just believe in the back of your mind that all these people are kind of living at least a halfway decent, you know, no. life when it comes to wealth. It's not true, right? And people, he and how guy, many times do we? How many times yeah. do we read about these people and we see them and they're big and fat? They look like me, uh, and you're like, "Whoa, what happened to that guy?" Right? <laughs> uh, and then they they don't accomplish anything. They're strung out on drugs, you know, and they're just a nightmare. Here's a guy who gave it up and said, you know what, it's not, I, I can't make it in acting. I don't have enough. I've got to support my family. So, yes, I'm going to take a normal job. This is a great story. Yeah. A great story. Yeah, and the reaction, I think, for, I, this is totally across aisles. There's nothing political about it. The overarching reaction to him was really positive. He writes, I imagine the worst case scenario um, uh, to brace myself and somehow managed to be worse than i expected the pictures of me the words that were used to describe me were so demeaning it was humiliating acutely for a very short time and then there was this amazing rescue from the world mm. i mean imagine I you're in the this. middle of going through this and now he's seen in such a positive light and and, and rightfully so I, I just i think that's a great story and who hasn't been in a situation like this where it may not have happened to you publicly like that, but something has happened and you know because of you, your kids are going to be embarrassed or whatever, um, and it's going to come back on your kids and you just, your heart is breaking, you know, and it doesn't even have to be that. It can be, uh, you know, I remember uh, the worst Christmas of my, of my life, because I made it that, was the Christmas I couldn't afford anything for the kids. I just couldn't afford anything. And uh, I felt like such a bad dad. The, for, for the entire fall and Christmas, I just felt like you're the worst pathetic guy ever. You can't afford anything for your kids for Christmas. Well, no, it's not about that. It's not about that. My kids don't remember that Christmas. 
You know, it's not like it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, yeah, dad, we remember this dark Christmas. I do, but they don't. And so we carry this stuff around that we have to do this or have to be this. In this case, he didn't want to be. He knew that the press would take and make him look horrible. And I'm sorry for what you have to go through. And his kid to come back and say, dad, I want you to have this job. I couldn't be more proud of you. Yeah. Is just I mean, that is. That is a Cosby show ending. Now, the Bill Cosby ending is not a Cosby show ending at all. That's no, like a that's more like an bad HBO. ending. Or yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like a Ozark. after dark. <laughs> it's like, it's not, you do not want that ending. No. All right. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, Mercury Real Estate. You want to sell your house? Uh, you want to sell it for the most amount of money and in the quickest time possible? We have the agent for you. Oh, yeah. You do? Mm-hmm. Are they in my area, though, Glenn? Are they what? Are they in my area? I don't want a, a real estate agent that's in California when I live in Texas. How will I get the one in my area? Well, that, that's what the website does. It, uh, it, you go to realestateagentsitrust.com, and, it, and it, it finds the ones that are in our network you know, in your area. Yeah, but I don't want just some agent that's paying a lot, you know, for advertising. No, they're not paying and, and us at all. They, they, well, there's yeah, no but money they, you're just probably this. picking the ones that have the most pictures on the benches um, no, because no. that's how that's how a lot of people pick real estate agents. I love that. I love that. Like, people sit on my face every day. Go with me to, for your biggest investment. Man, I wanted that real estate agent because they looked so great, but that homeless person was passed out over the phone number. So I, all right, anyway, trust.com. We have them handpicked for their uh, knowledge, their skill, their track record, their integrity. They know your area. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now if you want to sell or buy your house. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Trust.com. Hello, my friend. Glad you're here. By the way, uh, today is the first day that you can buy for on sale for uh, the general public the tickets to the Addicted to Outrage Tour coming to a theater near you. Uh, and I will be there and love to meet you and uh, love to have you involved in this. Uh, it's going to be a night of, of learning, of possible little dramatics. Uh, a little comedy and uh, and lots of fun. So join us. You can get your tickets today. Coming to a city near you. Do you have the cities by any chance? Uh, of course I do, Glenn. It's it's one of those things that I've memorized long ago. And You're I, you know, one, one of the things uh, was just... here it is: uh, <laughs> San Antonio, Texas; Houston, Texas; Dallas; Richmond, Virginia; Hershey, Pennsylvania; Pittsburgh, PA. In November, we've got uh, Cleveland, Kansas City; Evansville, Indiana; Tulsa; Tampa; and Orlando. With more cities to come. Uh, so join us. Get your tickets uh, today. Uh, and you can find those at TicketmasterGlenbeck.com slash tour. Yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm interested about something here. Do we have a second to get into this, Glenn? Uh, about this change the Democrats have made? It's not getting any coverage, and I think it's fascinating. Okay. Uh, they, to appease the Bernie Sanders crew, because last time they were like, well, Bernie really would have won if not for the super delegates. And you remember this whole mm-hmm, controversy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, over Hillary. And so they wanted to do something and to... By the way, you know why the super de- delegates, why that was enacted by the Democrats? Yeah, okay, I don't remember, though. Reagan. They saw what happened okay. with Reagan, that all of a sudden this outsider came out of nowhere. And somehow won. And somehow won, and they wanted to stop that. No, right. no, 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 no. We can't have any outsiders come in. 
So the Bernie Sanders said basically, hey, we're the we're the Bernie Sanders is the Reagan of the left, right? Yep, like he's yep. the he's the principled guy that's going to come in and you fought him off. First of all, it's not true. Hillary Clinton beat Bernie Sanders by a lot of votes. And, you know, some people will say, well, Debbie Wasserman Schultz wanted Hillary to win and they were setting it up for the bottom line is voters voted the way they wanted to vote. And she won by millions of votes. It wasn't it wasn't it was closer than it should have been for Hillary, but it was not close. No, here's the deal. Bernie Sanders is clearly the guy that the, should, the Democrats should run in 2020. I, well, right, right. Right? I mean, because there's a movement for him. Right. Vast movement. So the progressive, uh, the, the hardcore progressives made a push to get the rules changed and get the del- superdelegates out of the race. Okay? So now superdelegates can't be part of it. Mm-hmm. The funny part about this is, with the changes, uh, it's actually going to wind up hurting the far left why? Because the way they set it up was they got rid of superdelegates on the first ballot. And all you have to do is get over a majority of the of of the um, delegates yourself. So that seems like, okay, well, and that's easy. I mean, Bernie can do that, right? But, of course, the, the establishment's a little too, too smart for that one. So what they did is they got rid of these um, superdelegates, but you have to get a majority. So think about how this race is going to play out. You're going to start this race with, what, 15 candidates? And so for the first 10 primaries, probably no one, just like Donald Trump, right, back mm-hmm. in, in 2016, no one's getting 50% of the vote. They're all going to get like 26 mm-hmm. and win primaries with 26% of the vote. Mm-hmm. And it, it's going to be very difficult. They're gonna, you're going to have to beat all of the other candidates. So when, they, when it comes to the end of this election cycle, you're going to have to not only beat whoever the main candidate is, but also beat all of the other candidates and get over 50%. If you don't, on the second ballot, the superdelegates come in. So, oh, my gosh. So unless you com- basically, unless you completely dominate, like Bernie Sanders comes in and wins every primary. Well, that's what's going to happen right. if they run him. Right. That's yes. exactly yeah, going to happen exactly. if they run him. So, so run him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so unless he Keith can, Ellison yeah. for vice president. <laughs> but if you dominate, you would have got the superdelegates anyway last time. You know, if, if Bernie Sanders wins 70% of the vote, he's going to win get the superdelegates anyway. It's not going to make a difference. So what they've set up here is a way for superdelegates to come in and, re- and rescue the second place person. It's, it's amazing. Welcome to the program. Uh, today, I, uh, I, I think it's amazing that the mainstream media has just been passed, maybe even lapped. And they don't even know it. Uh, Joe Rogan was on, uh, or Joe Rogan had uh, Elon Musk on yesterday. You're not a nobody show if Elon Musk is showing up, you know? No, uh, the guy has over a million uh, viewers of the podcast. I yeah. Think, I think daily. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a monstrous show. Yeah. And uh, that, that is, you know, twice, three times the number of CNN watchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the mainstream media doesn't even they don't even know it used to be look how far ahead joe rogan is now it's look how clueless the mainstream media is they've just he is the king of media now that's the show that's the larry king of today joe rogan and i my apologies to joe rogan for comparing him (laughs) to larry king um but only meaning that that's the you know at one point to be interviewed with howard stern that was the place you were going to get the interview that you know was was different and open 
It's Joe Rogan now, and Joe can back it up with all of the numbers. Uh, and, and that's why Tesla stock is taking a nosedive today, because Elon Musk gets on and, and smokes a blunt with him. If I could say one thing to Elon Musk, it would be, dude, get a nap in. I mean, seriously, <laughs> he's got to get a grip on this. He's tanking his company and his reputation and I think his future endeavors. What do you think, there's, what do you think the odds are that he's okay with that? Because he is a billionaire, wants to live the billionaire lifestyle. He's mm-hmm. not. He said in this interview, I'm not the CEO guy. I'm not that. I'm not a company. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy who takes ideas and I try them, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and he's kind of turned into a company, and I don't think that's who he is or what he wants, really. Um, and so, you know, I wonder if there's a chance that he is, he wants out. I mean, either out. that there's or a better way of doing it, like, you know, selling mm-hmm. your company. Yeah. You know, selling it to someone you trust. Right. Or uh, getting somebody to run it getting so that someone you can to run do it. something else. Yeah, exactly. But he said, well, they're seems, going to now. I think he's had a bit of a breakdown. I, you know, I think so too. He's he's very he's acting very erratically, uh-huh. um, and you know, it's not it's not that he because I, I well, I've always liked about Musk is he lives the billionaire life the way I would live my billionaire Me life too. if I had one, which was hey. do whatever the hell I want, yeah. mm. come up with a crazy idea and yeah. just do it. You're yeah. sitting in your backyard right. and you're like, what if we tunnel? under the freeway <laughs> yeah and, and, and then, then he, he does it. and then it starts happening and you're right, like why yeah. is you know so i like that about him and that's you know he's certainly a, a centric guy uh, eccentric guy but it's like this is a you know he, he this whole thing with buzzfeed where he emailed a reporter some accusations about this guy in thailand he can't uh, let that go yeah he can't let that go which you know i i mean he thinks strange he seems to really think that it's true that and i don't know somebody's he, maybe told right him. i have no yeah, idea he has some information from somebody that that guy really did whether it's right or wrong r- whether it's right or wrong yeah somebody said elon that guy is a child molester i mean I, the, and he took it to the bank Right. And the and 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 the guy from BuzzFeed, I think this is really unfair. I mean, I would never if that's the way BuzzFeed is going to deal with you as a journalist, mm-hmm. you can't trust them at at all. I don't uh, know how Buzz I mean this is not a good sign for future sources for no, BuzzFeed what they did to Musk. Cuz no. I mean, if you didn't see this, Musk emailed them. They emailed Musk and asked him some questions. He responded and said off record and then gave some details. Yeah, and he said... And he you called him a child do, rapist in that, didn't yeah, he? he? Yeah, he said, yeah. you need to do your homework. Somebody needs to do their homework on this guy mm-hmm. because he's a child rapist. So he it shows he actually is not just spouting this. He's saying, yeah. can someone do their journalistic job and look into this? Mm-hmm. But he said, off the record, right. now, the, you should look into this. The traditional mm-hmm. understanding between reporter and source is... The the reporter would say, or the the source would say, "Can I go off the record on this?" And the reporter would say, "Yes." And so that's the technicality that they're using here uh, to print the email, with even though he said it was off the record. Now, in reality, in everyday life, uh, and we've dealt with a million PR firms, and we've done a lot of this stuff. It's very standard practice via email to do this to say off the record and then put it in there because think of how cumbersome the alternative is via email i email glenn and i say hey glenn can i go off the record with my next email then glenn responds yes you can go off the record with this next email then i write the next email and i, I send it and you ask a follow-up question then i have to write again uh glenn can i go off uh, off the record again on this next email and you get to such a ridiculous uh you know cumbersome process that it's pretty standard practice that a, a, a reporter would not violate it if you asked to be off record. They cannot 
take the information and they can leave I the have, rip, uh, in the information out of the article, but they're not going to rip you and and just print your email after you ask that. If it's I, a courtesy that reporters should be giving to sources if they want any of them in the future. If I could print the things that I have from journalists, from journalists who will write to me over the last four years, who have written to me with all caps at the beginning, this cannot be used on the air. This is off, off the record. record. Mm-hmm. Okay? You could say, I didn't agree I to didn't that. agree to that. And you said but I never me. have. No. Right. I mean, because it wouldn't be cool. You're just using common decency. Yep. And if you had yeah. an important story that you, you know, you, BuzzFeed was one of the, you know, reporters you were, you know, someone from BuzzFeed was one of the ones you'd be considering giving it to. Why would you go there? If the risk is they can find some technicality and just print whatever you're giving them. They can just, uh, you know, they can just expose you because they might say, well, you didn't go around this process exactly right. Well, look, Musk is stupid for sending the email like that. I mean, he should not be talking to reporters about this at all. If you want to hire someone for Mm -hmm. a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, give Mm -hmm. them all your theories and have them pitch them. But I mean, there's no reason for him to be directly emailing reporters with with pedophilia theories. That's not a good idea for a CEO. That's why I think he's had a little... A little bit of a breakdown that between that and the tweets about taking his company public, which tanks stock to the tweets about how I'm not sleeping. I'm on Ambien and all the stuff. Yeah. But the shareholders have to be well, a they are. little edgy They're talking right now. about replacing him now. Well, I think he has to be. Do you, yeah. do you have you heard the conspiracy theory about what's going on where, he, you know, he wanted to take the company private. And so he's acting erratically publicly knowing this is going to hurt He'll the stock price right right if He'll it's true it's obviously um he would go yeah. to jail for it by the way we should also mention one of his uh the head of his account account uh the accounting department left as well um and he says it's nothing to do with the books he's just i found it to be overwhelming and too much for me to handle and he left so that is also probably part of the reason the stock part price has gone down today uh, but still, there's a you know uh, we've been through a few weeks of this now where Musk every other day is in the news for something. It, it feels mm-hmm. like the beginning of that like Charlie Sheen period. I know, <laughs> and like, I hate that because like, I love I love <laughs> his brain. I love mm-hmm. the way it works. I love I love his you know. Hey, let's big, dig a big hole under Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I love that. How about a big bank tube that goes around the country and can go really fast? Right. I mean, like, th- that's so unique yeah. and so great. He is the Edison or Tesla of our time. And, you know, Tesla, how many times was Tesla put into an institution for exhaustion? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, Tesla was not a ton. He married a pigeon. <laughs> yeah. 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 When, when... Are you judging? <laughs> no. Wow. No, pigeons are people, too. Right. Um, but, you know, he, he was put into an institution, and it wasn't for he was crazy. It was because of exhaustion. They used to call this exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a breakdown has such a bad uh, ring to it. But you can only run so fast for so long before your body just says, I can't do it. Yeah, and he's had all those problems at the Tesla factory where they're like two years or something behind uh, behind schedule on the production of the $35,000 model, which still has not been produced. And they've got a waiting line of 400,000 people who've each put down $1,000 waiting for this car. And so they couldn't get up to 5,000 vehicles a week. And that's where they have to be. And so he's lived at the factory for quite a while now and doesn't sleep and doesn't go anywhere. That's bound to take a toll on you. And it looks like it has. And it's too bad because it's, you know, like you said, guy's a genius. He's really fun to uh, watch. And I love that car. I'm gonna, yeah, we all drove. That's awesome. 
It's a great Was car. it the PUC? I yeah. saw, I think I saw, look up uh, <laughs> Model 3 versus Corvette V12. It, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Does it blow it away? Utah. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, like not even a contest. And this is the. Like what happened to the Corvette? This is the one that's supposed to uh, be 35000 Yeah. In the base Although, price. But it's, you see it? They this haven't is, gotten there yet. And this is probably not the base model, I would assume. Yeah. So um, this is the this is the the top of the line Corvette, uh, the V12. They call it something else. Um, uh, top of the line. They are both. It's a camera at the driver's window of the Tesla to watch how close the Corvette is. Okay. Light goes green. They're on a track. They both take off. It, it you you don't even see the 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 front of the Corvette move, okay? <laughs> Before it's out of frame, it's out of frame the whole time. You see the black and white checker of the finish line. The Tesla slows down, turns, and as it's turning, that camera was angled to the side. So as it's turning, it, you see the Corvette then cross the finish line. Jeez. It's unbelievable. Is yeah. it a quarter mile? How far? Probably How quarter mile, maybe wow. mile or quarter mile. Yeah, and the cars <laughs> are amazing. The cars are amazing. You know, it's I mean, amazing. But it's a different. It's a different deal to run a company that can sell two hundred thousand dollar cars to really rich environmentalists. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a different model than selling the thirty five thousand cars. I mean, that's really hard. Then you're you know, like the, Ford. You're trying com- to compete with yeah. Ford. Yeah, I mean, look at look, you know Lamborghini stays in business because they make you know three hundred thousand dollar cars for really rich people, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what Tesla kind of. And not to mention a bunch of cash from the government, by the way, mm-hmm. a bunch of taxpayer dollars thrown in there as well to make sure that they yeah, can Yeah, but make only these... about $7,000 per car. Yeah, so 7500 per car is not a big that's deal. That's not a big deal. How many Teslas have, have you bought? Um, <laughs> I mean, you don't own any. Together? You don't own any. Oh, yeah, how many have you bought a lot? Dollars <laughs> bought? <laughs> Quite a few. Quite a few. Quite a few. Quite a few of those Teslas that are driving around. Uh, I own about $7,000 of that. Uh, yeah. And can we address something for the TV audience here yeah. at The Blaze? You can, of course, watch the radio show every mm-hmm. day on The Blaze TV. Mm-hmm. Um, behind Pat is a happy birthday balloon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think this is necessary. This to bring is not up. Pat's birthday. No, as people might be I don't think this it is, is necessary. Now it is Marissa's birthday. Our, mm. our producer, oh, Marissa, birthday. usually yeah, Marissa. sits there, which is directly in front of me. Mm-hmm. What are you, thirteen now? <laughs> yeah, 12. Oh, wow, congratulations! 13, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so this mm-hmm. this balloon that says "Happy Birthday" has been on the chair of Marissa the entire show, and Glenn has been looking uh, at Marissa the entire Talking show to her mm-hmm. the whole time. Uh, and about and, fifteen minutes ago, he goes, he stops and says. Is it your birthday today? <laughs> uh, and now again, we did. We were in here prepping. Man, you got to get up early to put one over on you. Yeah. yeah. You have you seen? Have really you seen early. Sherlock? <laughs> I have. I'm that's have. Uh, the opposite right. of that. And I'm, really, I'm, I'm sort of a, even going further because it was really Glenn's daughter Mary who was in here talking to Glenn, who noticed who just it, walked in, and then mm-hmm. just walked in, who just walked in and said, "Oh, Marissa, is it your birthday?" And that's when Glenn said. Marissa, is it your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> so astute. It really is wow. impressive, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. No, you, you want wow. me on crime scenes. Yeah. Yes. You want me on crime scenes because nothing gets past me. May I just say yeah. uh, more on trivia? Ooh. Today, oh. hour number two of Packer Holy cow. More on trivia. Green Bay Packers. Wow. Chicago Bears, the matchup. Hmm. Flap Jackson may have to stop by this season. Okay. Uh, I'd love to see it. might have to stop by. Love to see Dunningly, it. the game is Pat's favorite team's uh, debut. Huh. Uh, Um, By the way, uh, pure coincidence. My favorite team debuted last night as well with a win.
An unimpressive, awful, very ugly, messy win, but we'll take it. Go Eagles. Whatever. The Blaze.com TV uh, slash TV, by the way, is a place you can see Pat Gray uh, on uh, more on trivia today. Uh, and also, we've got the news and why it matters coming up tonight and uh, lots of great stuff. So check it out. Uh, you're busy. You're an executive. You might be sleeping on your uh, factory floor and smoking blunts on television uh, for some unknown reasons. Not helpful. Um, maybe you need to hire somebody. Now, the problem with hiring somebody is you can be overwhelmed with tons of resumes that are just wrong and you don't have time to go through them all because, again, you're busy smoking blunts. Um, ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck, they'll help you. They they don't wait for the candidates to find you. ZipRecruiter goes out and finds them for you. It's powerful matching technology that scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills and education and experience for the job, and then actively invites them to apply. So it's it's not just answering an ad. They add also on top of that kind of a headhunter service. And the way they're packaged is that you don't have to sort through the wrong resumes anymore. The right candidate is waiting for you, and ZipRecruiter is going to highlight that resume so it comes right to the top when you see it. So you're looking at the most relevant stuff. Try it now for free. This is why it's rated the number one uh, job site for uh, employers in the U.S., ZipRecruiter.com. Try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash back. If you use the slash back, it'll be free. ZipRecruiter.com, the smartest way to hire. Uh, I want to encourage you to uh, sign up for our podcast if you uh, haven't already uh, at iTunes. You're going to be getting an extra podcast um, uh, this weekend. And I um, am releasing this one. I, I, I kind of stumbled into something that I was not prepared to talk about. Um, uh, I, I, I told you over the summer that there would come a time I had something to share with you that was really important. Um, but it just felt right at the time. And so it's going to be released this weekend. And then on Monday, we will uh, we'll talk about it in depth um, because... Uh, it's something that you need to know about, uh, and it's important. It is not something I want to talk about. Um, I feel compelled um, to talk about it, and it is the only thing I can remember, oh gosh, in at least a decade, maybe two, that I have been nervous to talk about on the air. Um, it's important, and um, you will hear it. It's I don't know, a third of the way into this podcast, it just kind of happens. Uh, and um, so that will be sent out this weekend. Get it. And then we'll meet back here Monday um, to discuss something very, very personal. And yet, I think very universal podcast. Sign up for it now. You can find it at iTunes or whatever, but sign up and it will be delivered to your uh, email box sometime this weekend. God bless. Glenn. Back. Mercury.